Welcome to the Strong Man Way podcast. It's been a little while. Uh, good to have you back. Good to be back. Uh, how was Tokyo? I shouldn't have left. I could have stayed there. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm glad you came back. No, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Love Japan. Yeah. It looked so really cool. Fun. It, looked like, it looked like a heap of fun. It, I could live there and it would be perfect for everything bar training. But the, gym you, found, the gym you found was pretty good. But not for strongman, yeah. I guess. No, it was kitted out for like um, IPF type yeah. powerlifting. Yeah. So it's probably the only gym where you can actually deadlift heavy, but also are allowed tattoos. So thank God for that. Yeah, of course. You forget about the um, tattooed humans. Yeah. Kind of like get the offsided over there. I'd have to be really nice about it. Full cover up to here. And yeah. maybe they'd let me get away yeah, with hand. Still the hand kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, especially because like Japanese style too. Yeah, but they've got like a big Gold's gym and like cool big gyms. I'm just not allowed. Oh, so even in those big like franchise gyms that are more Western, you can't go? No. Wow. Not at all. It's only because this one's small. They deal with a lot of foreigners. Yeah, yeah. I think because they're kind of powerlifting and stuff, yeah. it's just different. Maybe like a little bit more normal in our sport as well. Yeah. Like everyone's got a beard and tattoos. Yeah, so there was like three other guys that did strongman yeah. outside of Tokyo. It was just too far to get to. Yeah. Um, it would have been like an hour and a half. It was in their shed. Are we going to see Lee Shaw do a secondment overseas for six months, 12 months, anytime soon? To do what? Uh, to go live and work overseas in Tokyo. I could open a gym. You could. <laughs> Strong Tokyo. Yeah, we'll find, we'll find a suburb <laughs> that rhymes with Geelong yeah, and yeah, we'll yeah. roll with that. Um, today we've got a fair bit to talk to, uh, about. Obviously we haven't uh, caught up for a few weeks now. But the most immediate thing would be... Arn- hard to ignore. Arnold's yep. 2023, one of the biggest comps outside of World's Strongest Man. In the yearly calendar for our sport, took place over the weekend. Obviously, Worlds is not too far afterwards. Yeah. Right. So I think that we see a few people maybe not give it 110%. Do you know what I mean? I think yep. they all do, but like, I think you're also conscious in the back of your mind that, like, someone like Tom Stoltman, who yep. wants to win Worlds again, would you blow the gasket on? And Arnold's, if Worlds was coming up and that's a better suited comp to you, maybe not. Right? Yeah, they've had a slow prep back. Yeah. It doesn't look like they're in a rush to do this comp. No. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So. Like, the, I think the eye on the prize for some of those guys is definitely Worlds. But either way, like, some really killer performances. Yeah, and at that level, like, everybody forgets, like, they come seventh or eighth. And they're like, oh, that shit, I'm so disappointed. And it's like, it could be a couple of reps... A couple mm. of seconds, yeah, and that's the difference. Like Very they didn't do poorly, yeah, but that's just the result they got because other people went hard, yeah, or consistency as well. Yeah. Like we saw, like we were talking about before, like Matthias winning three events, yeah, but not winning, but Mitrupa yep. not winning any events, but coming first, right? Yep. Um, and even like we we're talking about Bobby and Trey, like getting edged out just yep. because he didn't do the frame, um, yeah, which was a surprise to a few people. Yeah, I think the frame had knurling on it. It was just. Heavy. Yeah. Last event. Mm. Tough. Uh, and the girls smashed it. Huge. Really competitive. Once again, the Back girls stealing the show. <laughs> yeah. Like it'd be interesting with the ratings and stuff like yeah. that. So that's the first time that they've had the exact same events as the men. Yeah. Same time frame, everything like that. Usually the pro show is kind of just like off to a different section. It has a own sort of thing. Yeah. Different yeah. events. It's kind of just like the amateurs, but mm. the pro version of that. Yeah. Um, Which is exciting for the female. Yeah, super competitive. It's hard to pick who gets to go because Arnold's is always like invite. Yeah. You don't qualify to go to Arnold's. It's all just who Rogue wants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back and forth the whole time. Like Victoria Long started off not terribly, but not what people would think. Yeah. Um, Olga was winning leading into the last event. Yeah. The Ukrainian. Yeah. And then what had to place top three or four, but that meant running it in like eight seconds. Yeah. And just didn't happen. No. So it's tight, right? Which yeah. is super interesting. Everybody just got quicker and quicker yeah. off that frame run. Um, I, I saw an interesting thing during the week on like that Gym Life podcast. Yeah. Uh, did you see the monster truck analogy? Because I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, curi- I'm very curious to know your uh, idea on this. Anyway, so there was this podcast. This, uh, it's called the Gym Life podcast. Uh, we're checking out to get some good guests on there. Um, but... There was a guy on there talking about strongman, talking about weight classes, and he's he's taught, prefaced it with, "I have a uh, 
a contrary opinion, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a controversial opinion. And he was talking about weight classes. Uh, and he said, weight classes are all fine, but it's not what Strongman is about. Essentially, he yeah. said, I don't go to see a monster truck shows to go watch mini trucks. Yeah. I go watch monster truck shows to see the fucking monster trucks. Yeah. Right? So it's like, Strongman is about the freak show. Yeah. The big giants moving crazy weights, and that is the spectacle. Now, I got a lot of backlash. Yeah. Um, and, like, obviously, the sport is diverse, and we have a lot of weight classes. But at the top end, we're at, we're at the bottom line of things in terms of the sport, what gets exposure. What do you think about that statement? Well, it depends what you're going to watch the strongman show for. Mm. But if you're watching the biggest people move the biggest weights, yeah. that's it. Yeah, they're the monster that, that is it. Everything else is scaled yeah. to that. Yeah. Even the 105s, the pros, it's still yeah. scaled world's strongest man. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you went to watch different car races and you were watching who's the fastest, mm. who drifts the best or something like that. Yeah. Different sort of analogy. But then we're talking different sports. Yeah, then you would have to change the events of strongman to I think that's showcase it to, different elements. Well, I, I think that's likening it to... Uh, looking at CrossFit versus Strongman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a totally different ball game. where if we're looking at what the analogy is talking about, it's like, like you said, we're just scaled down or watered down versions of the monster trucks. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was really interesting because while I'm a weight class athlete, I do tend to agree in terms of like, like I know that the weight class athletes from a competition or watching the competition standpoint, often better. Yeah. Right. Tighter competitions, the guys are insanely strong in their respective weight classes to their respective body weights. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a reason. I think there's still a reason why, like, there's no weight classes at the Arnold's on the pro show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not up on that big stage. Yeah. You know, we're not getting $50,000 worth of prize money. And I know that we're good. And I know that we're great to watch. If you're interested in the sport. Yeah. If you're already into the sport, if you know what the sport is, and even if you're not into the sport but you have some understanding of it, I think it's really great to watch. And maybe if you're like a lighter person wanting to get into the sport, maybe they're the inspiration. Yeah. Because right? you can achieve that, but you can't achieve that. Yeah. I said it to someone else the other day about like amateurs and paying for mm -hmm. – memberships and paying for comps and there's yep. so many amateurs but then all the focus goes on the pros yeah i was like well yeah like the amateurs and us as a whole sport kind of fund the whole thing yes yeah yeah and yes it does go to the pros but without the pros and the spotlight on the pros there's no weight classes there's not really any weight classes because yeah. nobody wants to sponsor the sport yeah and no one really gives a shit about the sport because no one wants to see you lift a 70 the kilo log because yeah exactly like the exposure comes from a 200 kilo log yeah, right. so Not it's got to go back and forth. Box. Yeah, and I mean, you need, probably need both. Like, they both have a role to play in terms of, one, developing the sport and, two, creating exposure for the sport for, like, broader public. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it comes to, like, sponsorship money, big shows, like, the monster truck thing. Just go back to the monster truck thing. Yeah. Like, it's what the people probably at the top end want to see. Yeah, people still play A-grade, B-grade footy. Yeah. And they probably still fund a lot of that. And people still come to watch. Yeah. But it's not NRL. It's yeah, not yeah. AFL. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's just not. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the big guys get it easy in a sense. Like you get a big guy that walks out onto a main stage, especially with a big personality. Yeah. Everyone loves it. And even if they can't lift anything impressive, yeah. if they lift something, you think it's impressive. And that's the hard thing. It's a show. Like yes. people forget, like it's a sport, but at the top end, it really is about like, and it, it benefits us that yep. these guys are doing Massively. it. You know, like it's, it's part and parcel of what helps our business, helps yep. the gyms, people follow these guys because they're larger than life, yep. right? They have pull, you know what I mean? Like in terms of engagement or like wow factor or like that spectacle. You watch them hop on a plane or just go sit anywhere exactly. and it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, you're like, it's fascinating. How do they like, get look around? at that guy get on a plane. What's, how's he doing that? How's he yeah. living life? Yeah. Like, yeah like there was like, I think Thor and stuff like that put out like photos of him like in fucking economy. Eddie you know? did that recently. Yeah. And, and economy, just, business and premium. It's ridiculous. And it's like, and that ridiculous factor is kind of what feeds 
the sport, you want to see more. It's, you can't look away. Yeah. It's a big, giant, enormous train wreck of a human yeah. who's really strong. But you're right. A lot of the time at the top end, there's weight class guys who could beat some of those guys. Well, like Britain's. Yeah. I watched, I think it was Britain's. I watched part of that and they had that deadlift ladder. Yeah. Which was like a 300, 320, 40, 60, yeah. 80. Might have finished at 80. It might have finished yeah. at 400. And three of the guys, obviously newer guys. Yeah. Came out and couldn't do 360. Yep. Like, not a chance in hell of doing 360. Yep. And I'm like, with a suit, I'm like, I know a lot of people yes. in Australia and we're not crash hot. Yes. That can do that. Yep. Not heavyweights. No, yeah, not heavyweights. Like, you could roll in and get to 360. Yeah, maybe but the thing is, event, though. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> if you yeah. did that next to somebody else, that if you did that next to Andy Black mm. and he, for some reason, failed that... Yeah. Whatever he did would still seem more impressive if you just took a snapshot of it. Totally right. Because if you're it's watching just a big it, dude. This is the big guy, right? And I think uh, so. I we th- need a way too big personality to over. You need to be yeah. like Yuri. Yeah. <laughs> you need a big personality yeah, yeah, to yeah. overcompensate. Totally. You're not 180 kilos. Yeah. And I think that's the real key here. Is it's, I mean, and that's important for any weight class athletes looking for sponsorship or whatever else it is, and trying to like crack into. You have to uh, stand into, out. You have to stand out, and right? you can't like, physically stand out. A hundred percent. But when you get a big guy who's got a good profile, we see this in world's strongest man all the time. When you're looking at the selection, there's guys in other countries that are stronger. Yeah. But whether it's the country they're from, the profile, or just and like the persona that they bring, or just the sheer spectacle of a giant human being yep. being on the world's strongest man footage, like that's what they're looking for. Also. Yeah, as long as they can back it up with lifts, relative strength. They've either got to be competing and beating. Yes. top people yeah or they've got to be somewhat posting actual numbers yeah that are visible like you see someone deadlift 450 you can't lie about that yeah like you can but, but there's a lot of people in world strongest man who are nowhere near that yeah that are still getting invites yeah but they can they still can. carry themselves on yeah 100%. most events and maybe. like events yeah and it's always event dependent and also world strongest man isn't the heaviest comp it's not arnold's yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's event specific. Like I think a lot of those guys who might get a look in for World's Strongest Man, maybe not get a won't get a look in for like something like Giants, yeah. which are typically actually heavy comps and you like they're a bit more yeah. selective in terms of like we need a show where people can lift this stuff. Yeah. And well look at Paul Smith. Yeah. Five ten. Yeah. Got invited to Worlds this year. Yeah. Um got invited off like being a, a reserve. I think 2019 or something. Yep. He got told about it. He was the last of three reserves to get called in. Yeah. And I think he got told like a minute. He was in like slides when they were warming up for sandbags. It was like Lalas or somebody. Yeah. Did something to their calf. And they're like, Paul, <laughs> you want to be in? And he just grabbed his shit, ran straight out to the first event. <laughs> and they're like, how'd you do it? And he's like, terrible. My heart rate was high <laughs> and I hadn't warmed up. Yeah. Like the worst combination. Yeah, yeah. Um, but since then has never got an invite, but has consistently beaten so many of the UK guys yeah. that are bigger, yeah. that have a bigger profile. He's fairly quiet. Yeah, yeah. And he executes really well. So like you watch Evan Singleton lift and it's a car crash. Mm. It's either going to be great or <laughs> something's getting torn off the bone, but it's exciting. Yeah. Paul Smith just executes so well. He's loud. He's American, right? <laughs> He's just—he has tattoos of um, Raptor yeah, on his fingers. You just can't ignore him. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's a WWE character. Yeah, seriously. Um, whereas Paul Smith executes so well that it—it's not boring. It's very skillful. But if you don't know what you're watching, yeah, it could seem boring. Yeah, because there's just no mistake. Got to have some flair, and I think that's important for all weight classes yeah. to remember. Like it's a sport, and it's a spectacle. Like. You gotta bring some flair to it. You gotta like you're in front of a crowd if you're competing yeah. in front of a crowd. Like entertain because it brings it brings more light to the sport. Right? Yeah, you don't have to, but if you don't, don't expect. Yeah, a hundred percent. If attention. you just go there and do your job, don't expect to make anything of it long term or like actually yeah. start to develop. Especially if you're a heavyweight, don't expect to broach the next step or evolution of your career. Yep. If you're not doing that. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Um, speaking of invites. Uh, and I'm going to segue this to something that we were sort of talking about or like started to make some headway into before the podcast we were chatting about. But we saw uh, in the women's yep. a great deadlift, but a poor performance across the other boards. Yeah, uh, Wilcock, yep. the black woman 
big hoop earrings, yep. like big deadlift setup, and big a, vibe, and a well-established powerlifting athlete got an invite to the Arnold's and it was yep. a little bit of like a there's some contention it's the same thing with like a Larry Wheels kind of getting invited to like the deadlift championships there was a lot of, of there was a lot of pro women that were just like yeah I'm sitting here when there's can't I when there's it? limited spots and stuff like yeah. that it's very I guess you off siding for those athletes yeah when someone gets invited like that and I guess proof in the pudding great deadlift because that's what she's specifically training for yeah that's her that's her skill that's her sport but then crossing over, we saw that it just didn't work in all the other events, right? Yeah, just lack of time, yeah. lack of skill, lack of yeah. learning implements. 100%. Um, and then even with the deadlift, like tied with Victoria Long, but Andrea did slightly less on yeah. her third, looked super easy. Yeah. Victoria's looked super easy. Yeah. And then, yeah, hers looked hard. Yes. So one of the biggest deadlifters of all time, and then you've got two strong women. Granted, wearing straps, probably wearing briefs, like yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. But showing that the women can actually deadlift as much, if not mm. potentially more than the powerlifting women, which is probably a first. Yeah. It's been like that for a while in men. Yeah. Since Eddie came along, we yeah, kind of put a stamp in. and went, you know what? Strong men can actually deadlift just as much as you can. Yeah. And like with straps, with straps everything and stuff else, like yeah. that. But like we're seeing plus 40 plus 50 to what's yep. being performed at the highest level of powerlifting. Yeah. And now we're starting to slowly see that in the women yeah and i think this is something that people often idealize or romanticize or see other good athletes or, or even if you're an athlete yourself competing in like powerlifting or crossfit or whatever it is there's no reason why why if you make a commitment to crossing over mm. that you could be very good yeah but just because you're a good power lifter we'll use powerlifting as the perfect example because i've people often come from Weightlifting, powerlifting, or CrossFit, yep. right? Re rarely bodybuilding straight as a segue because mm. it's a big jump. Usually there's like a strength sport in between. But let's say powerlifting. Three static events, testing max strength. Yep. You can be a very, very well-established powerlifting athlete and be a train wreck of a strong man. Yep. Because I think when people weigh it up, you have to understand like, do you have a history of athletic base? Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of powerlifters aren't actually very athletic. They're strong. That was their first sport. Yeah. For some people. They yeah, never 100%. did sport as a they kid did and then they stuff. got into powerlifting as an adult. So you've got to, people have to remember, and like CrossFit, perfect example of something that is athletic and if you're a very good CrossFitter, really good potential to cross over. Yeah. But for most or a lot, especially depending on the level, there's a lot of time to build the gap of one skill but also strength yeah right like i think that's the easier one because strength is easier to develop than athleticism if you haven't had a yeah. childhood of athletic development kind of thing yeah um, we'll talk about that a little bit later but i think people have to realize it's not as easy i mean some people will cross over and be fine and it's yep. often because they hold a whole bunch of the attributes that underpin the sport in itself yeah a lot of people in their first sport we're good at it, but it still probably wasn't their preferred sport. Yes. Like I only did CrossFit for like eight months. Yeah. I was not on the fitter side. Yeah. But I was on the stronger side. Yeah. And all I came from was bodybuilding. Yes. So I didn't really have a strength background. Yeah. But then once I was doing push press and stuff, I was doing more than most at CrossFit out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, I lean towards that already. But you look at that as a perfect formula of sports as a kid. Yeah. Right. Um, whatever they might be, but a lot of sports as a kid, coordinated athletic balance, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And then you look at transition to bodybuilding, right? A whole heap of accessory stuff, yep. a whole heap of time dedicated to building muscle. Yep. And then you have a component where you built that muscle and then you go into something that's more athletic and fitness-based and skill-based, yep. like overheads, et cetera, et cetera. And then, oh, I'm stronger because I've done all this bodybuilding stuff, but I've still got the athletic development underpinning all of that. I transitioned to strongman. Yep. Ding. Found something. Yeah. Right? Like that, that's kind of the perfect storm. But if you are missing an ingredient there, it doesn't have to be CrossFit, bodybuilding, all that sort of stuff. But if you're missing an ingredient in there, yeah, if you're going to find a hard time. If I was like some of the other guys that did CrossFit that were great at running, great at like plyometrics, yes. great at yep. gymnastics, but their clean and presses in a workout were 60 kilos and yep. they'd top at 80. Yeah. That transition would not have worked so well. No. Um, 
Nah, I did that transition. Pardon? Nah. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So, CrossFit for a long time at a very high level, not yeah. the shitty CrossFit that I was doing. Um, Maori. Yeah. Stronger than normal. Yeah. Transitioned to strong man. It's mm. like, works perfect. Spend some time. Perfect. Strong CrossFitters. Yeah. Transition well. And yeah. it was easier when he did it and it was probably even easier when I did it because the, the strength level yeah. in this country wasn't high. I could transfer across. Competition standards. And I could still do most of the weights. Like yeah. deadlifts were a bit of a struggle. Yoke yeah. was a bit of a struggle. But I could hit everything else. Some Whereas more specific skills. Not many CrossFitters now would be able to transition in and then hit a 120, 130 log yeah, off the which, bat. Which is kind and of deadlift standard. 300 at, off the bat. At a reasonable level if you want to be competitive. Yeah. At the local difference between competing for fun and competing as a competitor. Yeah. So it was much easier back then to just mm. smoothly transition into a different sport, whereas now it's a lot heavier. Yeah. And the same with powerlifting is like you've got the strength, but like you now have to run with a hundred and forty kilo sandbag. Mm. You have yep. to do this heavy of a stone. You have to do eight events over four two days. Yeah. That too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um it's just different. You have to I do think. more than nine lifts. Yeah. I think it's uh I, and it's not saying that people can't and it's not saying people won't be successful because they absolutely will, but not everyone. Like you have to weigh up, okay, I'm I thinking just, about crossing yeah. over. Does this I really enjoy it, but I'm a really good powerlifter or if you're romanticizing that your favorite idol should try strongman, it's like, well, should they? Yeah. Or could they? And like some will absolutely jump in and probably do a great job, but I think yep. the vast majority probably underplay the specific requirements of a sport that takes time to develop. Yeah. I think people shouldn't underestimate how hard it'll be and maybe just train for your new sport for three months before jumping yeah. in a comp. I mean, I did and power. Push for it. Yeah. I did powerlifting and strongman concurrently for quite some time. Yep. Like until the point where I. Needed to give up powerlifting, yeah, to actually benefit my strongman, right? Yep. Like squatting heavy and doing squat volume and bench volume and stuff like that, and not prioritizing overheads, all the other stuff, moving events where like my legs are cooked or my sister, like my, you've only got so much time and so much energy and so much recovery yep. capacity each week. To do both gets hard if you want to be the best at one, right? There comes and a time when you make a decision. Then. Yeah. Compared to now as well. But a perfect base also. Yeah. Right. Um, I think uh, maybe the next thing that we could talk about sort of flowing on from that, when you're looking at choosing a sport or understanding what sport to choose or understanding where your weaknesses or doing like self-assessment yeah. on where you're at, understanding what is actually trainable and what is like inherent or genetic that maybe could be optimized, but maybe will always be a limitation. Yeah. You could take it from the sport straight away and go, okay, a power lift is not very fit mm. generally. Yeah. Trainable. Probably not super explosive, probably not super fast. Mm. Might naturally be. Yeah. But generally we'll be missing those key points, but then individually. Yeah. There's a heap of differences between people. Yeah. Um, I move relatively quick. I'm not the most explosive person, yeah. but put me on jerks, movement patterns like that, dumbbell. I can get under things relatively quick. I can move yeah. relatively quick. Um, and it was just always the case. Yes. It's gotten better, but some people are just very slow. And yeah. there's been people that I've coached where they've wanted to do split jerks and eventually I've just gone, it's not for you. Yeah. Oh, you, totally. You absolutely. Just, you're getting quicker, everyone but thinks it's still less than your push press. Everyone <laughs> thinks that the split jerk is the answer, Yeah, right? Everyone with a bad overhead goes, I think I'm going to try split jerking or push jerking. Yep. And the reality is for a vast majority of people, and it depends, again, again on so many variables, it's not the answer. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like It is for some. Yep. But it's not for a lot. And I think that comes down to critical self-assessment and what we were talking about before, which is where did you come from? Yeah. What are your genetic dispositions for sport? Like we looked at so – we talked about this earlier in terms of strength and speed are the easy ones, right? Strength is progressive overload. Speed you can start to work on or start to do speed work, but maybe probably as a ceiling dependent on you, it's harder to train. But we always look at strongman in terms of like, how fast do you move? Uh, how strong can you get? Yeah. Right? 
strength is the easiest one. It's progressive overload in time, right? Yeah, it's what makes strength. Yeah. What makes you strong. Yes. How stable are you? How much are you stable on the ground? Yeah. How much coordination do you have? How explosive, how fast you can move a bar? Yeah. How much force you can produce? Yeah. Defines how strong you are. Yeah, it, it, it all underpins that. But then you talk about something like a split jerk and it's like, are you coordinated? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, are you explosive? Are yeah. you coordinated? Do you have enough proprioception and kinesthetic awareness to be able to know where you're moving in space, to be able to execute that movement yeah. properly? If you're really unstable overhead with your shoulders, the answer is probably not to throw a bar up, dive underneath it while it's free-floating, yeah. and hope that you can then catch <laughs> and support it. Like, if you've got unstable <laughs> shoulders, like, that doesn't yeah. sound like a fun yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a recipe for success. You should probably get more stable right. shoulders and slow things down. So if you're looking at a client and you're going, okay, we're going to critically assess uh, what your weaknesses are or what needs to be worked on for the things that underpin strength. So let's we talked about this earlier. We sort of, like, talked about uh, what are some of these key things? So we talked about besides the strength component and what underpins athletic development, and we think a lot of this comes down to late diversification diversification yeah. in your given sport, right? So like childhood sport, uh, like adolescent sport, developing some of these key skills. Some are definitely nature versus nurture, but some are very much nurture through the younger years. Yep. Some are trainable. Some are uh, you could definitely optimise and some you'll probably be shit at forever, right? Yeah. Um, stability, balance, proprioception, coordination, explosivity, recovery, uh, so your capacity to recover, yep. nervous system, uh, kinesthetic awareness and then the strength and the speed stuff comes last right like yeah. that, that is the underpinning things that we neglect to understand and if it's the time that you've spent doing them yes yeah, yeah yeah like you think about oh I've been training in the gym for 10 years yeah like as an adult and people go fuck that's ages and it's yeah. like what if you were doing sport as a child mm. from 6 to 16 yeah you don't think about that being a long time because you're just a kid messing about yeah but that's 10 years of skill coordination critical development while you're a kid when things are easier to learn when you bounce back quicker when you recover quicker like that makes a huge difference compared to when you're 20 to 30 and you squat twice a week and bench once a week and call yourself an athlete (laughs) it's not the same (laughs) but you spend what three hours in the gym and two hours of that is talking yeah yeah (laughs) When, when you're a kid in those 10 years you spend 10 hours non-stop yeah. Climbing a tree, playing footy, like yeah, you know, it's like so many more hours. Two hours of footy training each night, a game every week. You got basketball. Play like handball. I know, I played. You play handball all yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. So there's so much that happens in those early years that it's hard to make up that deficit if you don't have it from an athletic standpoint. Yeah. Right. But you could definitely self-appraise and understand where those detriments are and play to strengths, but also understand what you can optimise, right? So if you're looking at a client and you go, all right, sick, here we are, here's your strengths pretty good, but what do you think or like how do you sort of target those things or what do you look at when you're trying to figure out where those weaknesses or underpinning problems are and how do you address? Yeah, I think like stability and stuff is a bit easier because mm. you kind of attack that through accessories anyway. But it's still a key one in our sport. Yeah, but we like. tend to still tick it off. Yeah. Whereas like training someone to be more explosive, we tend to not look at as much. Yes. Um, coordination, we tend to not look at as much. Yeah. We, you break down a split jerk yeah. and try to make people a little bit more coordinated, but yeah. you wouldn't get them to, okay, homework is to go home and do coordination drills so that you have good reflexes. And that becomes like a hierarchy of what's actually the most important if you're triaging time spent. Yep. Like, how much coordination do we need in our sport, right? Like, yep. and I coordinate, like, we're not playing tennis, we're not playing cricket. Like, the coordination side of stuff is important for some aspects, but for mm. a lot of the aspects or most of the sport, probably not, right? No. Or not as important. I think reflexes yep. are a big one. Yep. And I also think it's just kind of inherent. Yep. Um, 
it happens in such a split second that like it's neurological like you can't think and have better reflexes yeah, like but people train it but hard to train for strong man you right? see pick up people pick up a stone or a sandbag and kind of fumble but then like recollect themselves yep. or you see people press something and they kind of lose it but bring it back yeah and it's just automatic yeah and some people just can't like the second that they're slightly out of the groove they're gone yes and some people have that reflex to just bring it back yeah Whereas I don't know how you can really train that if you haven't just spent a long time putting yourself in situations that require you to be better at it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, And then like stability, it's like, okay, cool. If you're pretty stable or like rigid through your trunk, yep. we don't need to do bird dogs for your warm-up, right? Yeah, and just because you're stable in some joints doesn't mean you're stable in others. Yeah. Like your hips, your back, yeah, super stable, your shoulders not so stable yes my shoulders super stable yeah my sij and like my lower back not great yeah if there's too much load if i'm too fatigued if my body doesn't respond right like that reflexes yeah my hips will just shift and then all of a sudden it goes up my back yeah and perfect example of like noting that it's individual for each person so you should be addressing that you know i don't really particularly we've talked about this before like i don't really particularly warm up for deadlifts yeah, right, like I just, what the fuck for? Yeah, start with a bar and I go low. But if we do overheads and we've once again spoken about this before, yeah, I do a whole heap of shoulder stuff beforehand where you don't really need to. Like you can start with a log, you do anyway because you're very diligent. But yeah, like you don't need to do the same level of warm up or it's not as, as key importance to the success of that session for you, right? Yeah, my shoulders aren't going to fall apart. I'm not going to injure something no. because I didn't do it. I and your accessory stuff doesn't probably doesn't need to be as uh, targeted to yeah. develop that, right? And that accessory stuff all plays a part there as well. Um, you know, like the other things are stuff that you're probably not going to train in your programming, right? Like once you get to this point, it's kind of like, well, prioritization wise, like if your balance isn't great, like, like we're not going to put you on a BOSU ball, bro. No, <laughs> not to that degree. No. <laughs> no, no, no. But like things like kinesthetic awareness, like get away from a mirror. Do you yep. know what I mean? Like understand how your body f- moves in space, feel movements instead of just like getting visual feedback all the time. So yep. you sort of understand where things are. Like a lot of small things. And then like recovery, like capacity for recovery, a great one that can be improved, right? Yeah. Like I've given a lot of people, and it's usually a lot of bigger guys and stuff, um, if they get sore lower back and their hip shift and stuff, I'm like, all right, warm up wise, we do this, this and this. Do some body weight Bulgarians. Yeah you should be able to just put your back foot up and just bang out some Bulgarians. Yeah. Like you've got your back foot still planted. I'm like, if you can't balance doing that, how are your hips going to balance you under like a 300 kilo yoke? Sure, totally. And then most of them come back and go, I am not athletic. <laughs> I can't balance doing just a, a straight Bulgarian. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, see, like crawl before you walk. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, you can walk. Like obviously they're doing 300 or 400 kilo yokes, but like optimally. Three, week, three weeks later, like, they're just banging them out. Yeah. And they've got that skill. And I'm like, okay, now totally. you can actually stride. Yeah. And not be unstable. And like from a recovery standpoint, it's like, okay, let's build your work capacity so you can handle more load. Like session yep. density creeps up. Okay, we're feeling better. Let's chuck in some zone twos cardio sessions two or three times a week just to help respiratory function and cardiovascular fitness, right? Like let's focus on some nasal breathing for your parasympathetic nervous system and help that. Do you know what I mean? Like could dive in for a whole hour on stress management. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like like, sort your fucking life out. There we go. (laughs) Recoveries. Like it's like you that that's everyone's just gonna go, I feel so attacked. (laughs) Podcast (laughs) off. Sort your fucking life out. That's every week. Um, It's everyone got into this sport. I got into this sport because my life wasn't sorted out. Yeah. I thought this would make it better. <laughs> Turns out to be good at it. You have to sort your life. Yeah, you yeah, have to unpack that. Um, and then, yeah, 100%. Like, there's so many ways that we can manage the recovery side of stuff. I think, once again, something that everyone has an individual ceiling for. So, understanding where yeah. that ceiling is. Like, I've got clients that know they don't recover as well. Yep. So it's like we can't do the same volume or intensity week in and week out. We have to undulate certain movements because they do not recover well. Yep. And then we've got other people who can bang out fucking AMRAPs for eight weeks straight and they just froth it and they recover perfectly and they're all good. Yep. You know, like everyone's different, like neurologically, recovery-wise, everything. Yeah, I was going to say that comes down to your nervous system as well. Yep. Like it doesn't matter how big or how strong you are. 
it's that nervous system being able to fire yep. week in and week out. And if it can actually get the muscles to do the job. Yep. And for everyone, that's different. Yeah, 100%. So th- there's, there's a lot to consider. But I think that's like a really good tool in terms of what we were talking before around like crossing over to sports. But also in terms of if you are a strong man and you're looking to optimize what you're doing, like understanding or having an understanding of like critical self-assessment in terms of what, where are we? What are our strengths? Mm. What could I optimize? What do I have to acknowledge is just kind of getting predisposition and that's where I'm at now, but it's not too bad. Yeah. But like there's key things that we could maybe work on. Yeah. Besides just, I need to lift heavier. Yeah. And get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Like break it down into something that's a bit easier. Not always, not always the key strength is easy progressive over a lot of time but to optimize strength and see that curve start to happen a little bit faster yeah if you address some of these underpinning things then voila suddenly strength gets a little bit easier again right? yeah and recovery wise like pretty much for everybody i just go you, that fly loves you doesn't it i know i just won't fuck off hey <laughs> it's the second guest here on the podcast welcome give Mr. it a fly. mic yeah. <laughs> so just give a mic for the fly <laughs> maybe you, you just want we'll some get attention the birds from up yeah the, the birds yeah. we'll have the fly <laughs> second strongman way guest yeah um yeah like the three things i always go over and it's so cliche and boring but it works is sleep water food like, I'm like, we only need three things to really, like, continue on in this life. Yeah. Everything else we can do without. There's three things that are kind of crucial. But it's so fucked out. Like, the three things that are so important and imperative to recovery. And so hard to do. So hard to do. Like, people just don't do those th- things. I mean, like, sleep for me is fucking shite. Um, yeah. But, and like, that's, like, optimizing what I can get. But accepting that, like... Yeah. A little bit external, right? Like, I understand that, like, sleep is a hard one for some people, and depending on some people sleep five hours a night and function great. Yeah, and then it's always individual. And right? then like some people need sleep. to sleep nine hours. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of those people, you just have to accept that that's what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, 100%. And finding it or finding that time or optimizing sleep habits and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, like, food, water, and sleep are like the three, like, that's the tripod that right? everything else people forget. They're always looking for an answer. Yeah. Like, oh, should I do ice baths? It's like, are you sleeping? Are you yep. eating? Oh, but once if I take this supplement, once if I take this PED, it's like, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Like, guarantee if your food's are you drinking bad, water, you're dehydrated and you sleep two hours a night, it doesn't matter how much trend yeah. you take. If you're and also the trend will probably not help you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's a point of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. If that's the case, if it's like PEDs and stuff like that, that does affect like health and then like performance actually goes down yep. because suddenly you can't eat with some. You can't train, like your training might actually dissipate because you're not sleeping and stuff like that. Yeah. You're sweating more, so you fucking need more water. You know what I mean? Like there actually is, like unless the health markers are there, unless you're actually looking after those three key things, it yeah. doesn't matter how much creatine, trend, fucking whatever else you're taking or whatever else you're looking for is the magic fix. doesn't matter how many cold baths you take. Yeah. It's not going to do as much as what good sleep, good food, good water will have. Yeah, and you could sleep less, but you could have a better sleep. Yeah. And you could take magnesium. You could take something to have a yeah, better, yeah, deeper yeah, sleep. Definitely. The yeah. same as food. Like 100%. If your food's shit, like try to take some vitamins. Yeah. Try to pick up the pieces. Yeah, if you're not getting the micronutrients and stuff like yeah. that through your food, try to pick it up Just a little bit Just well. attempt it, even if it's a yeah. lazy attempt. Mm. Food's an interesting one. Nutrition for strongman, I think, is um, maybe seeing a little bit more. I think it it's so interesting, actually, because – Something I was thinking about watching the Arnold's uh, and a few other comps as of late. We saw a really big change. Oh my god! <laughs> Fucking fly! Oh my god! Um, we saw a really big shift a few years ago uh, with a nutrition coach that got some steam, and I follow him. And he's a good nutrition coach around recomping some of those heavyweight strongman guys. Do you remember yep. this? Suddenly, all the heavyweight guys were like six pack abs, a little bit leaner, uh, and <laughs> Mostly not as strong. Um, and it depends yeah. on the competition. What Ryan's nutrition coach? I can't remember his name. Yeah, Nathan Payton. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff for a lot of the top guys yeah. as well. And great recomping and stuff like that all look fantastic. But like performance depends on the comp. Like an Arnold, you probably want to be heavy. And it really depends on the competition. Yeah. For the world, you probably want to be a bit leaner, a little bit fitter. Right? Yeah. Like you need to adapt your body to that. But I found it interesting that we're, sudden, we're kind of away from that again now in those heavyweight guys, I feel. 
Yeah, it's like they're big jack guys, but like there's probably less of an emphasis on like that body composition. I feel like it's just balanced out. I think it's a water. I it think was. it's perfectly in the middle. I think when the Giants were around and it was Brian and Thor and yeah. Eddie was getting huge, everybody was like, "You got to yeah. be big." I think the pendulum they is, the pendulum retired. swung one way, then the yeah. other way, and now it's kind of found a really good middle ground. It always does that. Yes, you go With to everything. one extreme, yeah, yeah. and people yeah. directly go back to the other extreme. Yes, I agree. Um, whereas, like, you could say, carry as little fat as possible. You'll be as light as possible. You'll have as much most usable muscle as possible. Yes. Even though we know that being fatter still does make you stronger. Not from a contractile sense, but a body mass sense. Yes. But imagine Brian Shaw shredded with abs. How strong do you think he'd really be? Not as strong. No. Like this is this is the thing, right? But then imagine if Tom Stoltman was as big as Brian Shaw. Probably wouldn't do much. <laughs> He's probably not going to move as well. You know what I mean? Probably can't bit. get around a there's, stone yeah, anymore. Yeah, there's probably like, there's, and it depends. It's so individual on the person. I think people have to yeah. understand their body types, where they sit best. And that's like time at any sport or any, like that's time living and understanding where your body feels best performing kind of yeah. thing. But one thing that I think that, if we talk strongman nutrition for a bit, right? What's the ultimate goal from your nutrition as an athlete? To recover and perform better. Performance. Be stronger. Right? Yeah. Performance. Like number one goal for nutrition in any sport is performance. It doesn't matter what you look like if you're fucking last. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter if you have abs and miss out on the podium. Yeah. Right? What well, does matter if you're performing well and you're strong enough and you're recovering well. Yeah. Right? Like the, we need to understand that composition or how your body looks, because the people get, like, we're in a strength sport, right? We never, we all came to this sport because it didn't matter what you looked like, it mattered what you could do. Yes. And now it's slowly getting into a, oh, cut before comp, look how shredded I am while I'm dehydrated, or yeah, and recomping, like losing weight, and that's taking more focus over. It's like, how were your lifts this week? Yeah. Oh, it was shit, but like, yeah, my recomp's like how's going your good. How's your energy, right? Like, how's yeah. your lifts go? Like, my recomp's going good. I'm like, sick. When are you hopping on stage and putting tan on? Yeah. I think <laughs> that, I don't know whether it's a social media thing, but I think it's really important for all competitors or any athlete to remember, you should be proud of how your body looks because it can do something. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, we are performing athletes competing in a sport, right? The way that your body looks is a product of you objectively trying to achieve your strength or performance goals. Yeah. You are not trying to create a body, right, to then go and do a sport. The sport, mm. like how you look, is a byproduct of eating for training and performance and doing so well enough that you can perform optimally and how your body lands in that is how it looks. Yeah. It's nice to look strong, but it's better to... Be strong. Yeah, 100%. You don't want to be the person that looks the strongest and the leanest, but is actually not very strong. I could, I could <laughs> get my waist down. You don't down. want to get beaten yeah, by 100. the person that doesn't look like they lift a thing, yeah. but is a fucking beast at it. Totally, right? Like, I think that, like, you know, like, if we wanted to get leaner or bring our waists in and stuff like that, like, we could, but it's not functional for our yeah. sport. Like, a thick waist is fucking great. It's where everything comes from, right? As long as it's not impeding, like, your deadlift position. Totally, picking right? Picking up a sandbag, so, and, stuff like and that. And this is the thing where it's, like, individual. You have to know where your body sits best, how performance feels, and where, what movements feel best. If you put 10 yeah. kilos on, your mechanics change. Yeah. If you lose 10 kilos, this is the thing people forget, your mechanics change. How you move and how you need to move through space with weight changes. Yeah, massively. Mm, so I think it's really, yeah, I find it really interesting and not frustrating, but like when you see the shift in focus away from your athletic endeavours to feeling what you think you should be looking like as an athlete yeah. versus how you should be just, you should be just focusing on training and eating. But extremes sell. Yeah. And extremes are easy to sell. You can sell keto, you can sell paleo, you can sell being super lean to be athletic. But yeah. you can also sell eating 10,000 calories and eating pizza yeah. to be massive, to be strong. Whereas yeah. in the middle, which is where pretty much everybody sits and everybody probably should sit and lean towards each side yes. depending on what time of year, 
you can't really sell. Don't be too fat, but don't be too lean. Yeah. Eat enough, but don't eat too I much. Agree. Like it, you can't sell that. No, and this is like <laughs> training, it's not, it's right? Not sexy. Yeah, you can't train. Like, this is like we. I'm gonna put you on this phase, which is like the best way to get strong and blah blah blah. It's like, hey, these are the exercises that probably suit you, and this is the system that we're gonna use, and it's progressive overload. How you going? Yeah, like it's been used for the last century for strength training, and this is what it is. It's not sexy. It's not. This is the right way to do this. Well, there's no right way. We could sell it really well we could go here's your skill adaptation here's your neurological output <laughs> driver here's your primer here's this we could put a lot of long words in yeah. there or we could just go essentially you got to do this because you got to get quicker yeah you got to do this because you get stronger yeah and you got to stick with it consistently yeah. because that's how it works totally there's there's yeah it's unfortunate there's that a lot of salesmen to, that love to blow yeah up. there is i mean we're not saying that you should go eat whatever you want all the mm. time because you're a strength athlete. I think that is a really poor part of our culture. Yeah. Right? This is why, like... It does seem to be dying, though, which yeah, it is, is a, a good bit. part yeah. of people doing recom. Like the strongman donuts pizza thing and, like, powerlifting and stuff, it, it is dying because people yep. are understanding that, like, you are athletes and you need to treat your body as an athlete, which is really mm. important. But it's the one thing with our culture that's always bugged me. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't just get away with eating shit, yeah. right? Like a perf eating for performance and your athletic endeavors means being healthy or eating well, yeah. which means getting in micronutrients and if you're not, like we talked about, having supplements, right? Yeah, finding a way to get them in. Yeah, and then it's like a, if you're eating for performance, if you're going into a competition and, I mean, we weight class athletes we cut, right? But if you're a heavyweight trying to recomp, like sure, there's time and place. But if you're, a, if you're a weight class athlete making weight, maybe eating into a deficit has to be something that you're doing. Right? Yeah. It's not a year-long thing. It shouldn't be even a six-month thing. No. If you need to be in a deficit for six to nine months to stay in your weight class, you're probably too big for your weight class. If you're not... <laughs> a, do you know what a deficit is? A deficit is not eating enough for your body to maintain its current <laughs> position, yeah. right? Which means you're not eating enough fucking food. Right yeah. for your body to maintain its function, right to maintain where it currently is. But then you're going to train heavier so that your but body you can adapt to get stronger. Than it's you're trying ever been. to adapt to get stronger. Then yeah, 100. percent What it's ever been, or you're trying to increase your training load, increase your output, increase everything about your training to get to certain competitions. But you're not eating enough for your body to do it. Yeah. Right. So a deficit into competition doesn't make a lot of sense unless you're a weight class athlete, and then a huge surplus isn't good either. Yeah. Health goes out the window. Eating shit, inflammation becomes a problem. Like if most of the time, you're probably not eating micronutrients because you're eating like an asshole. Yeah, people get tied to a pre-workout meal being the make or break of a session. Yeah, it's probably what you had yesterday and last night well, it's that'll the, probably make them. It's break the it. sum of all your nutrition. Yeah, but if you performance. ate, yeah, fuck all yesterday. Yeah, doesn't matter what you're going to have an hour before training. It's not going to save you. No, but definitely not. If you ate well yesterday. And like if I went and trained now, yeah. after only having breakfast four hours ago, I'll be fine. Yes. If I didn't eat breakfast this morning, I'd be fine. Yeah. Because yesterday was good. Yeah. I'd just be hungry. And the day before <laughs> was good and the day yeah. before was good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's food in the system. So I generally don't get that hungry. No, uh, yeah. It's rare. Like I get a sore stomach. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> That's new. I'm like, am I cramping? I'm like, no. Nah. I'm like, oh, that's hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> what the hell? This is why I'm a 90. Yeah. And I talked to a few of the other guys, um, like Chris in New Zealand and yeah. stuff. And he was just like, yeah, I just struggle to eat. I could just drink coffee all day. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is why we're 90s. Yeah. <laughs> this is why my smoothie in the morning is just like, yeah, food, everything I can. Food, right? And so. yeah, like the micronutrients that I tend to not get in and a lot of fruits and a lot of like seed options. Yeah, and, for sure. And I hate nuts. So like putting a nut butter in like, yeah. But without that, I would not. Be mid eighties, yeah. So like health, but like so not not a huge surplus, not a huge de like not a huge deficit. If you have to be in deficit, but if you're in deficit, it's for a period of time to choose a certain goal. Yeah, you need a way out. If you're a weight class athlete and you're probably carrying too much fat, mm. there is a period of time to recomp yep. outside of competition. If you are sort of sitting around your weight, if you're like one, let's say you're one hundred five, but you're a shitty looking one hundred five, right? Yep. You probably, it depends on your body type again. Like not everyone's designed to be a fucking, like some people are naturally really lean. Yeah. Right? 
I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to be super lean because I don't feel strong super lean, right? Like it doesn't, no. it doesn't agree with my performance. Like twelve percent, it's like there's a contractile fiber element to it. Yes, like maximizing the amount of muscle that you're carrying at your body, uh, body composition or your body uh, weight for comp. Yeah, but there's like a limitation to like how your actual body is too. Like understanding your body and knowing where it needs to sit. I just think that we. Once you understand where your body needs to be, there's a period for recomping. But if you're kind of around that weight, there's no point recomping into a competition if you're already at that body weight and eating less than what you should be. You should yeah. just be eating nutritiously to drive your training and your food and then look at recomping in off-seasons, right? Recomping will generally happen, though, just over a longer period without... Of course. Like I've got pictures of me weighing in at 90 or being 95 yeah. from six years ago at comps. Yes. And everyone's like, you look so small. And I'm like, I was the exact same weight. It yes. just looks very different now. Recomping will happen if you eat nutritiously and for performance over time and keep training for performance. Yeah, like it took six years. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't six months. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a great before and after. Yeah. But I also didn't really have to put much effort into it. I just had to be consistent. Yes. And it eventually just, I got stronger. I added a bit of muscle. I got a little bit leaner. Do you think there's a general guideline for like, I don't like using body fat percentage, but body fat percentage for males and females. If you were going to say like, look, if you're kind of over fucking 35% or 30% for a male in a weight class yeah. capacity, you probably need to look at like uh, just looking at your recomp and stuff like that, right? Yeah, you're just going to struggle with a lot of things. Yeah. It's going to be hard. And unless you're naturally like a 10% kind of person, like dude. Yeah. 10% isn't ideal. Like, you got to remember hormone function and stuff like that is really important. Like, if you're a female under 14% or, like, trying to get super lean, like, if your hormone functions, if you're not carrying enough fat, you're not going to perform as well. Yeah. Right? Same with men. If you're not actually carrying a little bit of body fat, like, function yeah. isn't as optimal in your body. Unless right? you just naturally sit there. Unless you naturally sit there. This but is then the people that type. naturally sit there tend to eat a lot of food. Yes, 100%. And they just don't put on weight. So at least they're well fed. Yeah. Whereas like if you had to get ridiculously lean by in a deficit, the second that you eat more food to then support that, you're probably just going to go back up in body fat percentage a little bit. Yes. So why'd you come down so hard? Yeah. If it's not maintainable and you're just going to go back up. <laughs> maintainable too. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, the key thing is composition only matters if there's a real need for composition. Yeah. Outside of that, composition will change if you are consistently eating for performance and training for performance. Yeah, we used to think of it as a really nice byproduct of our training. Yeah. And of our lifestyle and of our sport. We used to be like, cool, we're training to do stuff yeah. and that's what's important it doesn't matter how we look but if we look good or we look better then that's and great and you will because training performance doesn't go mean going and eating fucking uh, burgers three times a week and pizza and having donuts because yeah. that's not training like eating for performance training for uh, eating for performance is eating good protein high volume meals with good micronutrients yeah like good carbohydrates a reasonable amount of fats to sustain <laughs> sustain everything I just go into that far too deep yeah. but like <laughs> but to sustain your performance and your well-being so you can keep training and then train fucking hard yeah and then guess what happens you're eating great you're getting good nutritional good nutritious food you're getting enough protein and stuff in you're training really really hard and we're not we're suddenly not in a subjective place where we're constantly looking at our bodies and going, oh, like we need to look a certain way. These guys look like this. This is the standard if I'm a like weight class athlete or this is like the, the physique that I have to be as an athlete. Yeah. It's like it actually just object – like we focus on the objective outcomes, good food, right, Make, making sure that we're eating good food and objectively looking at our training and training really hard. And suddenly the goals that we were so hung up on subjectively and trying to reach probably happen anyway passively without yeah. even realising it. And probably quicker with less stress. That's why. That's what I love about like strongman and like strength sports. Like when I probably you were the same. Like when I was doing bodybuilding and like when I was young, like pre like twenty one, probably even like when I started powerlifting and stuff. 
like you look in the mirror every day and you're like, oh, my shoulders aren't big enough. Or like, I'm like, I'm not lean enough, you know? Yeah. Like, um, oh, like my legs are lagging behind. I don't have separation and stuff. You're just constantly looking at the subjective and constantly critically looking at like how you look and being like, oh, this isn't enough. Like, I'm not enough. Whatever it is, right? This isn't enough equals essentially like I'm not enough, yeah. right? Where then the reason why I love strength sports so much is for people like that and like it was myself when I was young to trying to do bodybuilding, it takes you so far out of subjectively, critically always looking at your body and puts it into objectively looking at training and numbers yep. and trying to eat to find get your performance better and train to actually perform better. Yep. And suddenly you're not looking at it in the mirror every day going like, oh, like suddenly you're like, analyzing lifts looking at that sort of stuff and haphazardly you start looking better yeah there was like certain muscle groups that i could not grow mm. doing bodybuilding yeah and like i just my traps just did not want to grow yeah no matter how many shrugs and whatever i did in a bodybuilding gym did i want to see pics <laughs> <laughs> i definitely weren't there <laughs> i was wired but no, i was very it. like thin side on yeah um and then I went and did CrossFit and I don't even have a mirror in the CrossFit yeah. gym, so I had no idea and I yeah. just did that. And literally just from like the cleans, the snatches, mm -hmm. the pulling work, the pull-ups and yeah. stuff, all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> I've just gotten thick yeah. and somehow look stronger, but yeah. I'm doing fitnessy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I spent years trying to do this in bodybuilding yeah. and it just didn't go. Yes. So makes a big difference. Totally. I think that like that's, yeah, that's one of the key things that like, when I'm not selling, but like explaining to people the benefits of strength mm. training. That's one of the key things because so many people, I know so many people like look in the mirror or jump on the scales and are constantly like unhappy with like what they see or what they do. Yeah. And it's like, first problem, you're focusing on something that's a relatively subjective outcome that you're yep. never going to be happy with. No matter how much you run uh, like around in circles trying to like look in the mirror and see progress. Yeah. When the progress comes and you're there, you're still not going to be happy. A lot of the time it's worse. Yeah, it gets worse. Yeah, Some because people, the, the better, better you get, yeah, hundred percent. The more critical, the more critical you get. get. Yes. They go, Oh, back when I was really big, I didn't even think I was big. Mm -hmm. And now they're lean and they're like, I feel so fat. Yeah, totally. I'm like, now you're more unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where like strength training should should just be thinking about performance outcomes, eating really well, training really well. Yeah. And then Getting out of that headspace and focusing on, on the objective things, right? Good and thing then is things happen. If you look better and your training's going shit and you feel weak, then you can always fall back and go, at least I'm looking better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Training was shit and I felt weak, but I'm going to go do some curls and feel good. Uh, like you have a backup option. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your first option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we hope this helps. Anything else you want to add on nutrition? Uh, not really. The only other thing that I would have touched on was. Um, and I think it is changing people's views on like getting a nutritionist or focusing on nutrition and they only tend to do it when it's convenient for or the important yeah. extreme ends. Like yeah. you wouldn't just jump on and go, oh, in six weeks I've got a comp. Can you peak me yeah. for this comp? The rest of the year I'll do my own training. Mm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Well, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So I think more and more people are getting nutritionists to do off season when the recomp's not important. What's important is eating for performance increasing metabolic baseline so you can eat more food and then when and you cut food you're yeah. actually eating more food for you like uh yeah for your so people stuff. are like i don't need a nutritionist because i'm not looking to gain or lose weight and it's like well no and it's not even getting a nutritionist it's just yeah. focusing on nutrition i think it's yeah you don't have to get a nutrition but, but focusing you, on nutrition year round yeah but you tweak things yes while you're in your off season you're not trying to get bigger or smaller but you're like my recovery is kind of shit can mm -hmm. i supplement some different things yes i've heard having vitamin D or having this is better. I've heard eating this is better. Yes. Like focusing on it all year. Yeah. Rather than just waiting till six weeks out and going, and go, okay, I've got to cut weight. Oh shit. Yeah. I've got to do this. Yeah. Now I've got extreme. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I haven't been eating that much, but now I've got to cut weight. So suddenly I'm like, I'm really not eating a lot of food where like that off season or that time, if you're focusing on nutrition year round, it's like, well, I'm, I'm increasing my metabolic baseline. I can eat more yeah. food. I've, so I've built myself up where my body weight is at maintenance, but I'm now eating 4,000, 5,000 calories or three and a half thousand calories or whatever it is for you. Yeah. I had somebody say it to me years ago that like line your training and your nutrition up and like your PEDs. Yeah. Because they're all about those as well. And they're like, yeah. those three have to line up to the same goal at any given time. So like- They have to be synergistic. If you're looking to be in a deficit and you're looking to increase, like, and then training wise, you're obviously not going to peak. 
yes. during a deficit. Mm-hmm. So you're looking to increase like aerobic function, skill, baseline, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And then it's like, then if you have supplements, drugs, whatever else it has to be, you pick the ones and you choose the ones that complement the other two. Yeah. And you yep. line those three things up. Makes so like sense. off-season wise, even if you've got nothing planned, whatever your training is pushing towards whatever that goal is, yep. food should follow that. Yes. Yeah. And then when you peak for a comp, same thing. And the only contrary is to what we were talking about, which is having to cut four comps where you may have yeah. to be in a deficit. But then you pick, do I cut early mm. and then try to feed myself back up into comp? Yeah. Do I have a low, slow deficit the whole way through prep, which is kind of shit? Yeah. But manageable? Yeah. Or do I just stay heavy, have a really good prep, mm-hmm. and then in that last week risk it by doing quite an aggressive cut? What, water cut. Yeah. And being smart with how I bounce back from that. Yeah. And then you have that plan. My friend now. Swapped. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. What would your ideal uh, weight, if you were, what, what, what range would you say that is reasonable? I, I guess it depends on weight classes too, percentage of body weight. But what, mm. what weight, what range would you say most people should cut for, for the bigger comps? For the bigger comps? Well, you shouldn't really be cutting for an amateur comp anyway, really. Only if Depends how many kilos. times you've done it. Yeah. Like, I think I'd said it before, like, when I first had to cut, well, I didn't have to cut weight when I first competed. Yeah. I was 88 kilos. Yeah. And then I was 90 or 91 or 92. And, like, over time, I just kept manipulating that and it just kept growing as I kept growing. So, yep. honestly, like, two kilos is really easy to move. Yes. If you're two kilos above your comp weight, yep. probably in any weight class. Yeah. And you're eating well. Yeah. You can manipulate that in the last week and make it pretty cruisy. Would your preference be to eat through a prep and then just cut water? Yeah, so I've done both. I've brought it right down, sat at 91 as I led into comp. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just didn't feel like I went as well. I felt like training was a little bit harder. Yeah. I just sat a bit leaner than what I would have liked. Yeah. Um, but then I've done the opposite where I've done really big cuts. And I still actually performed really well. Mm-hmm. It just sucked. Yeah. So if I can find somewhere in the middle where it's probably still on the bigger end, but I just, that extra hour in a sauna. Yeah, really f- cooks. Feel, it's like a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> like you do, you do, ten, you do 10 minute uh, hits of like just 10 more minutes. Yeah. I put my head down. It's a time machine. Yeah. Like I'm in there for the whole movie of like Titanic or Avatar yeah. 2. And then someone pops in and goes, you got four minutes left. Yeah. I'm like, you're, I'm angry now. You're yeah. taking the piss. <laughs> I've been in here for 20 minutes and you're lying to me. <laughs> I I tend to agree. Like obviously it's only the last one that really yeah. gets me. Obviously, no, I don't do a big water cut. Have you, have you done any water cuts? Yeah, I do a water cut every time, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just for fun. Three kilos? Just yeah. for fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I find that, I mean, last time, not really, but um, I've always found that 108, 1010 is like the sweet spot from a performance, filling out my bowel equipment, how yep. I move, all that sort of stuff. It just feels good, right? Yep. I probably feel a bit stronger, heavier, but like maybe for strong man, probably not as like quick, probably like a little bit heavier around, but like feel yep. statically strong. I find that like I move really well at 108, 110, but things just feel good, right? That's yep. why I feel good. Um, I definitely preference just maintaining... 108, 110, like I'm 106, 107 at the moment kind of stuff. I have been recomping, but not for the goal of like this comp. Yeah. I'm like, I want to, I I brought my weight down and I slowly want to get back up to like 110, 111 and carry more mass for later in the year. Yeah. Right. So I'm taking a longer, broader stroke of like, okay, I wanted to drop some body fat because I was carrying too much body fat because after I got back from my trip, I decided to get up to 110 by eating three bagels a day. Uh, <laughs> and it was fucking glorious. Yeah. Um, but I was I was just carrying too much weight. Like I didn't feel good. I didn't feel healthy. I wasn't doing it yep. the right way, right? Right way. So I brought it back down. But I definitely would preference being or eating four and a half thousand calories a day, maintaining like 108, 109. Yep eating plenty of food throughout my whole prep. And if I can maintain, if I've built my capacity for caloric intake up to like that, and I'm maintaining like three kilos of range, I'm eating heaps of food, then I'm just going to cut three kilos, right? Yeah, That's you can just do that in the Best last case week. scenario, right? Off season, build up your capacity to have calories, then maintain at that body weight that is within range of your weight class, yeah. just maintain it and cut a few kilos. It's super easy. Yeah. That's it's my the, preference. It's the anyway. fine line of pushing yeah. your calories up without 
pushing yourself out of that weight class. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Which people right. tend to do. Yeah, a hundred. There's a there's a there's they a line you've got to walk. So they're like, slowly. I've got a lot to pull. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, but now you're ten kilos <laughs> out. So you have got a lot to pull out. Yeah, but you're yeah, have yeah. To pull a lot out. So it's kind of understanding like what range that you can kind of do that. But I, I definitely think that eating in a deficit into competition in general, especially like even if it's a long, like long, slow kind of like minimal deficit. I just feel yeah. like, cool, I'm just death by a thousand needles every day I come in and train, you know? Yeah, so I've probably got one client that will be doing that this year. Yeah. or probably Some people prefer probably it, and that's now. okay, yeah. Well, the goal is, was always a 105. Yeah. Really wants to do 90s. Yeah. Far more competitive at 90. Height-wise, yeah. probably sits better at 90. Yeah. So it's like the comp just turned up at a bad time. Yeah. But the comp sort of gives focus. So it's like, unfortunately, this comp, the whole prep is going to be a deficit. But then after that, it gets easier. You will be 92, 93, yeah. and this is where you will stay. Yeah. Yeah. And then the competitions for the rest of the year. So yeah. unfortunately, this one's going to be tough. Yeah. And once we're there, we can maintain that. We can build yeah. your base up at that weight or like within yeah. a range of that weight. And then you'll feel good. It's but not, this a, one's case, it's not a case of a big, slow yeah, deficit yeah. cut. Important. And then go back to 104. Important to remember there's a whole bunch of circumstances. So this always changes based on the individual. Yeah, and it's a long-term thing. Yeah. Short-term suffer for long-term gain. Yes. That's all. We're done. Have a great time. Thanks for (laughs) listening. As always, we'll see you in a fortnight's time.